You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to the podcast. It's Brick here, and I am so grateful that you've tuned into our Friday podcast. Our Friday podcast is unique in that it's an opportunity for us to be connected and engaged with our mission partners, um, people and organizations in our state, around the country, and around the world that the Lord has brought us into partnership with so that His reach can be extended beyond just Carterville Baptist Church that can be extended to the ends of the earth. And so this morning, I am so grateful to have Michael Garrett, the Executive Director of Homes of Hope, which is close, um, super <laughs> close to where we're at. Um, I'm super grateful to have him in office. So Michael, thanks for being here. I'm glad to be here. And uh, to be honest with you, it's kind of funny. Uh, years ago, it was so close to Homes of Hope being in pedal. It was really, yeah. it was super thin. So we messed it by a little bit. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, Michael, um, I'm so grateful that you're here. Thank you for, for coming on up to Carterville and being able to sit face to face and to tell about how the Lord has been at work and is working through Homes of Hope. Mm-hmm. So as we start, um, I, I know that there may be some listeners that have never heard about Homes of Hope, okay. some listeners that are just tuning in. Um, could you give just a really brief intro on, hey, what is Homes of Hope and what's the ministry that you guys do? We are a privately funded Christian children's home, and uh, we do not take state funding. We do not take kids from the state. Mm. Uh, either if we, if we, Even if we didn't take money from the state, but we took kids from the state, we'd have to have a placement agreement with the state, and it would change who we are. Mm. So, uh, so we're just privately funded, uh, uh, and we get to be the ministry that God's called us to be 100%, and uh, we take care of boys and girls so that we can keep sibling groups together, and these are kids that they don't, they're not coming to Homes of Hope for a couple of months or a year, this is their home. They mm-hmm. will live and they will grow up. They will graduate from high school. When they graduate from high school, we have apartments on our campus. We call our transitional program as they transition into that next phase of their life. Mm-hmm. And we will stand by them if they go to college, Votech, beauty school, whatever they mm-hmm. want to do, we're going to stand by them, love them, support them, and give them guidance and direction during that next stage. So it is a it is a long-term answer to the problem they have, which is they need a home. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll say this. Um, even before I've been here, Carterville has had a partnership with Homes of Hope, and I have been grateful as the ministry associate in Outreach and Missions to kind of step into the role of partnering um, as well with you guys. It's been a privilege for me. Um, Michael, do you mind sharing just with us kind of in this season, right, as we're dealing with COVID and the return back to school, how's the Lord been working through Homes of Hope? What are some things that you've seen Him do and work uh, through the ministry of Homes of Hope? You know, it's been an interesting period, just like it has been for everybody else dealing with uh, COVID. Uh, You know, they stopped going to school in March, so we've had, uh, until they started back a few weeks ago, uh, we've had those kids home with us 24-7. And, uh, it's been challenging, uh, but I would also say this. I think our campus grew closer together through that. Mm. We were lucky um, because we lived together on campus. We didn't really have to social distance from one another. Yeah. So uh, our kids probably had way more other kids to play with than the normal family would. And uh, and and it really spurred on the kids, us doing more activities on campus, more activities together on campus, whether it's playing volleyball or we've got some other games that, that we have there that they love 
to play as a group. Uh, so I think it has been interesting to see how the staff and the kids have all probably come together even closer than we were mm. before COVID. It's, it, it, so there's a silver lining to all this struggle that we've had yeah. at the same time. Uh, there wasn't a single adult on our campus that wasn't very happy when the kids got to go back to school. <laughs> uh, the kids were just as happy. And yeah. uh, and so uh, I think I'm like everybody else. We just want to get this behind us and, mm. and be able to get more to normal, yeah. uh, especially for our seniors. We have two seniors this year. Uh, you know, I really hope that – I really hope and pray that they can get back to some kind of normalcy maybe next year with their senior year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'll say I think I, – I think – you're, you're into that, you know, the return to school is very reflective of a lot of parents in just around the state, around the world of we have enjoyed the kind of the difference of schedule, but the return to school has been very good and some reprieve. And it, obviously that's all, that's great. But I will tell you something for those of us that are in this field, mm-hmm. that are in this arena uh, of out of home care and dealing with kids who've been abused and neglected. Mm-hmm. It has weighed on my heart heavily since they closed down school that for a lot of kids, for so many kids, school is their escape. Mm. Uh, It's the escape from the abuse. It's the escape from the neglect. It's their opportunity to get some meals. Uh, It's an opportunity for the schools to become aware of what is going on in those homes. Mm. And it has weighed on me heavily that 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 source of protection for these kids have been taken away from them for so long. Mm. And it does amaze me that in our country, there are people that they treat that so flippantly, like it doesn't, like it does, like those things aren't out there happening. Mm. And so, so I would say, obviously I'm happy that our kids are back in school. So they have more things to do. I'm happy though, too, because of the kids who aren't at homes of hope, Mm. who are stuck in some of the most miserable situations you can imagine. Mm -hmm. Maybe now they can get some help. They can get some meals, and maybe, just maybe, they can get out of those situations. Yeah, well, Michael, I, I appreciate you bringing out that reminder of that, you know, there are many kids in situations, and I would say close to home even, that we don't know about that are in that. So a, a question that I have for you is, do you have any practical advice on like for the body of Christ, whether that's a high schooler or a parent, on how to have eyes for that? Like because we you know we want to be a we know that 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 is happening undoubtedly right. where we're at and so how do we as the body of Christ maintain vigilance to to help and to to, to provide you know assistance and and rescue for for kids at whatever age level to be able to get out of that and I think that's a really good question because what you're getting to is really a, the a heart of a situation mm. there. We don't want to step in. We, naturally, we're inclined to not try to step into other people's business. Yeah. And we don't want to over, overstate by bounds and or any of those types of things. So I think in many ways Satan uses those, those polite tendencies that we have to keep us from doing things that we really ought to do. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is... If you believe that a child is being neglected, if you believe a child is being abused, you report it, report it, report it. There is never an instance where you don't report it. Mm. Uh, Even if you think, even if you're 50-50, well, report it. If if it's Mm. not, then at least it got checked out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, uh, and I asked, when when I was in third grade, I, I had to go live in foster care. And uh, it was a terrible foster home, very abusive, very mm. neglectful. Just I hated it. It was a, it was terrible. Uh, school was my only outlet. It was mm. all I had. 
uh, it was my only opportunity to see my two sisters. And and as sad as it was at times that my only chance to see my two sisters was passing them in a hallway mm-hmm. or seeing them in a lunchroom, it, it at least meant the world to me that I got to do that. Yeah. Um, and I do wish that the the powers that be at my school, somebody would have seen they had to know that something was going on with me, mm. you know. Um, I wish that people would have reported my foster parents. Mm. I reported my foster parents to to my the social worker. They did nothing. Mm. But uh, I wish others would have. And so I guess what I would just tell encourage people is if you see if your gut is telling you there is something majorly wrong here, mm-hmm. you're probably not that far off. Yeah. And it's always better to report. the The biggest issue we have sometimes when we fight the legal battles for Homes of Hope and our kids, is other people will talk about the abuse and neglect they saw, and then the first question the lawyer's going to ask them on the stand is, did you report it? Did you report it? Mm. And if they say no, then the the argument will be, well, you know, it probably wasn't as bad as you thought or you would have reported it. Mm. So the reason you need to report these things is that when something, action is actually taken, mm-hmm. those reports will come into play. Mm. And uh, whoever is standing in court to defend those kids, they will be able to subpoena those records and use those to be able to prove to the judge that this home is unfit. Mm. And uh, so I would just encourage people. I know it's tough. It's uncomfortable. You can do it anonymously. Mm. uh, But if you're a teacher or somebody else that comes into contact with some of these kids, fight the urge of the politeness within you uh, to not want to step into somebody else's business and to take action when you know it needs to be taken. You you Mm. cannot rely on somebody else to do it. Yeah. We, we can't choose silence. We can't. And um, uh, I, I, there's just so many kids out there suffering. And they're suffering. Sometimes they're suffering in state care. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they're suffering in just bad homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have to take a stand. And you know what? There's nobody I trust more in this world to take that stand than the faith-based community. That's right. Uh, if you look at the faith-based community uh, and what they do when it comes to charities and ministries to children, uh, I've never seen a, and I'm not putting down other religions, but I've never seen a Muslim children's home. I've never seen mm. a Methodist, or I, uh, 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 I've never seen a Mormon children's home. Mm. I've never seen any of these other types of children's homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen tons of Christian children's homes, Baptists, mm. Methodists, Presbyterians. Mm. Uh, they have led the way for over a hundred years uh, in setting up children's homes. The children's home I grew up at was built, built in 1889. Wow. Uh, not the home I lived in, thankfully, yeah. but uh, <laughs> uh, but that just goes to show you the faith-based community has, knows this situation. They have a heart and a passion to do the right thing, um, and they just need to carry that over when the opportunity presents itself to bring light to a dark situation. Yeah. Well, and I am incredibly grateful for the unique work that Homes of Hope is doing to, to fight those legal battles. Um, so, so really grateful for that. Michael, as we wrap up, um, I just want to say that I'm grateful for kind of your thoughts into this situation, but I would love it if you could leave us with some practical ways that, that we, Carnival Baptist Church, you know, a Carnival Baptist Church member can be partnered with you guys well. How can we be supporting you guys well? And, you know, undoubtedly, I think we would love to hear some ways that we can be praying because that's, that is probably the first thing that we can go to, right? We can get on our knees and pray. But if there's any other additional ways that we can support and partner with you guys practically, this would be a great setting for us to hear about that and and support you in it. I would tell you, uh, and I'll get to some prayer requests at the end of this, but uh, I would tell you the greatest thing I think 
Carterville Baptist Church could do to support our ministry is to organize your people to come and do a tour and come see for themselves mm-hmm. what we are. Mm-hmm. Um, I could ask for support. I can ask for donations, all of those types of things. But to be honest with you, I think what means more to me than anything is for people to put eyes and ears on what we, who we are, what we do. And once they see it for themselves, if we are not every single thing I've ever said we are, then don't support us. Mm-hmm. But if we are, then I would ask people to wrap their hearts and minds around what we're doing. Mm-hmm. The great thing about Carterville Baptist Church is I don't have to ask y'all for support because you've already supported us. You've supported us really from the beginning. That support has increased, and uh, I, I'm very thankful for that. Um, uh, it's amazing to me what what you know churches are able to do when they decide to become open to what God's doing in their communities. So mm-hmm. I'm thankful for that. Uh, as far as prayer requests go, uh, I think the biggest prayer request I have for people is to just pray for our boys and our girls at Homes mm-hmm. of Hope. And specifically, I would ask them to pray for the struggle that they have internally over the abandonment of their mother and their father in mm-hmm. their lives. That is so hard. It is so difficult. It, it It is not something that you get over once and you never deal with again. It pops up all the time. It could pop up as you're on your way to school and you see a family in a car pass you by. Mm-hmm. You know, then you start thinking, why don't I have that? Where, why don't, you know? So Satan uses those things in the kids' lives to just rip their hearts to shreds. So I would just ask people to pray that uh, that our kids will be open to the great counselor, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, who, who, uh, doesn't make those hurts go away, but he will be there to love them through it mm-hmm. and help them to make sure that those hurts and those disappointments don't steer the direction of the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. And so I would just ask them to be just to pray for the hearts of our kids as they hurt, uh, struggle with that abandonment and help them to come to grips with it and, and uh, help them to understand that Jesus's love for them is greater than any of the sorrow that they have. Mm-hmm. And, and that uh, he, he, is the, he is the father that, that nobody can take away. So that would be my biggest prayer request. Great. Thank you. Well, church family, um, you've kind of been given some, some very practical ways of how we can be supporting and praying for Homes of Hope. So I hope that you will do that, uh, that, you, that you'll pray specifically for the boys and girls, um, the ways that, that Michael has asked us to. But also, if, if you're interested in, in going to Homes of Hope and, and taking a tour, please reach out to our church office. Reach out to me. I'd love to get a group together to go down and just celebrate the good work that that the Lord is doing through Homes of Hope. So thank you for tuning in. Michael, I'm really glad that you've been on the podcast. Hey, glad to be here. Appreciate you guys.